got a great song to play, you know. Just, uh, uh, Hello. Have you ever snogged a lady? Um, we had a technical problem. Are we on? Yeah. <laughs> We're on there. Can I swear? been some famous radio comebacks over the years. Kenny Everett's return to Capital, the resurrection of Radio Caroline on the Ross Revenge, and Chris Evans taking the extreme option of buying Virgin Radio just to get another breakfast show. But the return of the UK's number one light-hearted radio industry interview podcast knocks them all into a cocked hat. Crunch and Roll is back. And we're not messing about. This episode features our most requested guest, which probably tells you all you need to know about the quality of stories you're going to hear over the next hour as I chat to Joel Ross. He tells us how he wrote his mum's car off in the name of Radio Geekery, how he made a small fortune selling bananas outside a nightclub, and how an expected promotion actually led to getting the boot at Radio 1. There's lots of big laughs, sensational impressions, and industrial language. So let's crunch and roll. Oh, yeah. Joel Ross, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. John Fox, thanks for coming. <laughs> See, nobody will get that unless they listen between two and six and uh, the weekends in Hull in about, what, 2000 or whatever it was. <laughs> it's only you that rem- can remember my catchphrase that never took off. Thank you so much. See, there you go. <laughs> Thanks for coming. The reason why you can remember that is because you are the ultimate anorak when it comes to the wireless. Would you agree with that, Joel? Oh, I am, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not actually a radio presenter or a telly presenter or any sort of presenter. I'm just a massive anorak who got lucky. <laughs> right, so as always, Joel, let's go right back to the start. Um, I always ask the question, but where did your passion start for it? I mean, you are very passionate about radio. Yeah, it was, it, it was so much so that um, I, I would get on buses by myself at like 8, 9, 10. Uh, I lived in Scarborough and, you know, you get the bus or the train to York or Leeds or a hill and um, take two or three radios up there and just record some stuff. So you would hear all of these stations because bear in mind in Scarborough at this point, there was no commercial radio till 1993. Um, you know, you could get a bit of Viking or a bit of Hallam or whatever, but it was always, you know, a bit correctly. So I I'd, I'd just, you know, get on a bus somewhere and I, I just, I, I loved being, listening to that one-on-one person on the radio and there were so many different people out there you know you had your generic 80s wobbleheads at this time um <laughs> the old uh, gear bullets you had all of those but then you'd find like a diamond in the rough or whatever um and then it got to the age of 12 and um i, I was thrown out of of my house to get a job by my parents because I, I wrote my mom's car off when i was 12 <laughs> oh, hang on hang on how did you do that well, well she had yeah, she had a mini, but whoever she bought it off, it was only like seven hundred quid or something. It was a mini, but it had the you know brilliant radio in it, and you could pick anything up. So it was in the garage, and I just thought if I just reverse it outside of the uh, of the drive, I'll be able to you know get everything. And when the uh, atmospherics are brilliant, you get like Horizon and all these other commercial stations from all over the UK and Amsterdam and whatever. And I put it in reverse, and there I am, I'm twelve. Didn't open the garage door. Went straight through the garage door. So I was uh, I was chucked out at twelve to um, <laughs> to go and get a job at a cafe for one pound fifty an hour. And and when I was in there, uh, that's when I started. I bought a Tandy mixer and I started doing um, tapes for the day in the uh, in the cafe. It was a cafe called Fullview, where we used to have Fullview Radio. And it was just um, me. <laughs> it's really sad. <laughs> I'd never heard that story. I didn't realise that's where it all came from. That's so sweet. I mean, that, so so when did you, I mean, how did you get your first professional gig? I, when I used to hang around, you know, this, this was it. I didn't discover uh, drinking, drugs, cigarettes, women, anything until I was about 18 because... You know, at 14, 15, again, I was hanging around radio stations, turning up, asking for car stickers and, hello, could I meet the DJs and <laughs> and whatever. I, I, I was late to school every day because I would send off, um, you know, letters to every PD in the world um, and you'd get 20-odd rejection letters a week from them. And then I was hanging around Minster when that launched, when I was 15 in 92, you know, making cups of tea and just going over for the weekend and what have you. And they were launching the station in Scarborough in 93, Yorkshire Coast Radio. So I was 16, I was still at school, and they launched there. And um, I, I got the the hour show, 6 till 7, which was called Coasting Home, <laughs> which was... so. The, 
The very first thing I did on the air at six o'clock on the 8th of November, 1993, was read the news. Now, bear in mind, I always had a very high voice anyway, but when your ass is going like this <laughs> and you've got to read, you've got no journalistic experience, it goes up three octaves. <laughs> and by the, by the time you got to the sport, it's like a kid's nativity play and you are sweating and dripping and... Not for good reasons, but um, yeah, I did that for a little while and then uh, got the evening show full time. And I was doing seven shows a week for the big sum of £10 per week. Not per show, wow. per week. Per week. I got a check him a pigeonhole for 40 quid a month. <laughs> so I, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at my mates who were like builders at school and going, God, look at that thicko. Look at that thicko. They've now got, you know, 17 ounces, no mortgage. You know, they knock up a hotel, you know, pay for it cash and whatever. Uh, and there's me <laughs> going, yes, 40 pounds a month. How rich am I? <laughs> you know, there are some beautiful pictures of you at Yorkshire Coast Radio. Your, your promo shots were just a joy, Joel. Just a joy. Oh, damn. They're, they're so, they are so, so bad. <laughs> like, really bad. Um, but I don't think it's a good one at YCR from everybody, to be fair. <laughs> so you stay there for two and a half years. I mean, you're on air at 16, which is, which is amazing. I mean, you must have been a legend at school. Yeah, but I was really shit as well. When you when you go back and you listen to it, I want to give me a job, and um, it, it was it was it was actually really embarrassing. I've still got a load of old tapes, um, and, and you li you listen to them and you cringe. Now you've, everyone's done awful stuff, but you get to a stage where your voice pretty much sounds the same. It's just the content that's a bit different. Uh, and this, the, I mean, I, there was one week I was trying to sound like Bruno Brooks. The next week I was trying to sound like you know Mark and Lard or something. The next week I was really posh, and the next week I was dead Yorkshire. Um, yeah, yeah, but it, you know. It was it was good. It was it was good. Um, but I only attracted the geeks. It was never the hot girls or whatever. It was just the the, the friendly geek anorexy wanting to swap cast tickets at weekends. <laughs> All right. So where did you go next after Yorkshire Coast? Well, I got bin from there. For, I was covering the breakfast show at like eighteen, and I kept sleeping in. And I went up uh, up north to Middlesbrough to work for Les Gunn at NETM, which is you know before Metro Networks and whatever it's called now. Um, so I did about three or four months up there. Um, doing loads of travel news. And while I was there, um, the station I always wanted to work for was Viking. Uh, and, you know, you only come to this podcast because you speak to people who work for Viking. And um, <laughs> now, That, that has been noted, Joel. Thanks for highlighting yeah, that, my friend. Yeah. So, so I was doing Viking travel news, um, you know, and, and, and I saw in the radio magazine that Mark Matthews was getting the job as program director. So I sent a tape to him and, you know, by all means, I was the first tape on his desk. Um, and he called me and said, do you want to come in for a chat? Came in for a chat and he went, do you want to do a test show? And I said, I'd love to. Um, and he went, can you do tonight? And I went, what? And he went, yeah, overnight, two to six. And I went, yeah. And he went, I'll run through the format with you. Uh, and he was running through the format with me and he went, fucking hell, I think you know it better than I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I couldn't wait to have that, you know, talk up to the news and da, 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 da. I was, I was so excited. Uh, that's the most excited I've ever been um, before or during doing a show. I, 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 I got that. And then I got overnight straight away, was on there for about three months, and then moved to late. Now, do you, know, you have highlighted the fact that we have talked to a lot of people from Viking. And, of course, that's where myself and, and producer Simon hail from as well. Do you know, when we initially started Crunch and Roll, because the, the, the idea of this podcast has dramatically changed because... When we sat down and thought of it, we, we thought what we would do is we'd ask people about all the drunken nights and the, the drug-fueled evenings and all that stuff. And, and what it turns out to, to, to be that it's only actually Viking that was actually like that. Everywhere else was. So we've spoken to other people that haven't been at Viking. They've gone, no, we never drank on air. And I'm thinking, hang on, we did that every night at Viking. What is it? Because it was such... It was an amazing place, wasn't it? And, and you and, and the team, when you were there, that's, that's when it was at its peak. Yeah, I mean, I look, at, I look at that and still it is the best place I've worked at. And I think, you know, you've just had everybody on who says it is. You know, there was like Steve Jordan, uh, Scott Makin, Cameron, Sam Hayward, Ben Weston, uh, Darren Dolby, uh, another lad called Darren, um, uh, Matthew Rudd. Um, there, was, there was, you know, everybody had a personality. Everybody was different. You've missed Jason King. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, JK was <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I thought we'd get onto that later. Yeah. But he was there, the, you know, there was... There was arrogant little five foot eight guy who thought he was six foot two um but but you're talking about the drinking culture and i didn't drink till i went to viking i really didn't i used to drive everywhere and i was a geek and when i was doing the late show i i always had a high voice it wasn't it was you know i was never confident with a voice and the boss mark matthews so at this point he went slow it right down and if you can 
maybe have a glass of red wine before you do the show. <laughs> so a glass of red wine in the DMP, the Dick and Pussy, Whittington Cat across the road, turned into a glass of red wine before, then two beforehand. Then I'd get a bottle of wine from Jackson's, the uh, local repainter. <laughs> And then before you know it, and of course you mentioned before, it was brought to you by Hugh Rice Jewelers, gifts as precious as time. Now try saying that anyway, but after you've had three glasses of wine or a bottle, and there's hollows of brown eyes, hello blue eyes, love you very much. Hugh Rice Jewelers, gifts as precious as time. And it was... And it's like, Julia, so I'm pissed on the air, man. Well, it was you who got me into the life of drinking because I'd never drank before. <laughs> so just just run me through it because when it was yourself, JK, Scott Makin, legend, uh, Matthew, and all that, the, the, the people that you've mentioned there, Lee Thompson, and, and, an amazing and an incredible team of, of presenters. Had, Mom, had Matthews, Mr. Matthews, had he changed the format slightly? He'd kind of got rid of the old lot and brought in all... Am I right in thinking that, that he brought in a load of youngsters? Yeah, end of 96, he came in and got rid of everything that was old and came in with everything that was new. And because he'd done so well at Rock, and Rock was the hottest sounding station in the country by a long way, he'd copied and pasted Rock into Viking. So, you know, Viking was very um, solemnous with, uh, you know, 80s tunes and, you know, big cheese and whatever. And then suddenly it was like a big American voice, uh, top production, younger jocks with personality. Um, and it would either work one way or the other, you know, because I think, I think Viking was not targeting, but the, the average age of a Viking listener before he took over was, you know, late 40s. And they wanted to get that right down uh, before Galaxy launched. So, yeah, it was it was young kids playing, you know, Reef and Smack My Bitch Up by um, Prodigy. So there's Barbara in Branzome, Council <laughs> State. You know, you used to listen to Doobie Brothers. And now this, uh, your man from um, Prodigy smacking his bitch up. <laughs> so you do late and then you pretty much move around the schedule. Because um, I remember you were on, did you do Drive as well? Oh, God, yeah, I hated Drive. Did you write? Why? I was so bored. Well, this is how I got breakfast. So I was um, I was on drive and it was either four till seven or three till six or something, and I, I, it was one of those format things where I just I just wasn't there was better jocks to do that shift. It was your three in a row crunch and roll, uh, you know, into into break tease what's coming up, and I just I was just shit at it. So I would go out at seven o'clock, drown me sorrows, and then go to a club. Because of course, I don't have to be up till you know half two, three next day. But then I would keep going and going and going and sleep in for drive. So the boss, Andy Robson, at the time, would come knocking on my door and go like, "Any any chance you want to turn up for your short day, like?" So as a, as a punishment, as well as doing drive, I was given an extra tenner to go and read travel news on JK's breakfast show and Paul Carrington's breakfast show on Magic at the time. Do you know, um, you talk about Andy Robson there, and obviously when I first started a Viking, he was, I mean, he was there for a couple of months and then he left, but he never spoke a word to me once. But with you, and I think with Jason as well, there was a, he had a lot of love for you boys, didn't he? Yeah, I, I think there's two ways of looking at it. He didn't say a lot, and people would think he was probably miserable. I mean, the first two weeks, or two months he was there, he didn't really say a lot, and somebody introduced me to him as he's going to sort out our variety. So it was... <laughs> He said he's probably just a tiny little bit older than me, and he would just sit there with his tracksuit top on. And I will say straight away, he was the first in the building, even before breakfast, and the last in there at night. And this is before he was program director. So he was in there making sure the music was right and you know, production and whatever. Um, and you know, I I think I think a lot of people liked him. He wasn't a horrible man by any means, uh, and he was very driven. But I I've heard people say that before about, you know, you know, he, oh, he never spoke a word to me. But in the same way, it's like, you know, you will sit here and praise a boss that you've had, and I'll go, didn't, didn't, you know. I always find it like it's a bit like teachers at school. I will work for the ones that, you know, I, I respond to getting bollocked. You know, Robson had come in the studio and walk in at quarter to ten in the morning, go, right, right then, uh, I'm going to get my money back for that shower of shit you've done this morning. <laughs> and it's stuff like that. And I, you know, I, I, I like that. You know, it's, but it also take you out and say, you know, oh mate, that was that was really good. You deserved that. Or here's a Christmas bonus. Or I'm gonna, you know, invoice for the next couple of shows this month, or whatever it would be. Uh, um, so yeah, after being put on breakfast with JK just as a travel person, I was doing more and more and more. Um, so he came up into the boardroom uh, at 10 o'clock one morning. I thought, oh, oh, what's going on here? I'm getting binned. And he went, um, so this is your contract. And I went, yeah. And he went, <laughs> no. There's a new one for me to sign. 
and it was a contract, you know, the biggest I'd ever had, and probably more than I'm on now, to a three-year deal to co-host breakfast with JK on same money. And that's when JK and Joe was born. Yeah, because we'd always been, you know, always been friends after about two months of him thinking I was a geek and me thinking, who is this little arrogant prick? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like oil, you know, it's like oil and water. I'd come in my waistcoat to my little tie and uh, the anorak sort of thing. But he'd been at Galaxy uh, in 101 in uh, Bristol and was quite cool and was a cool DJ and would, uh, you know, and I, and I was very, not introvert, but I was, you know, very cheese. Um, so yeah, got from there. So I was, you know, it was, it was a good, it was a good time. It, um, I've got to say that JK and Joel, and I'm talking like you're not here, but it was an incredible breakfast show. Just at Viking, especially for me, I, that's what made, it was you guys. And, and it pains me to say this, it was you guys. And it was the likes of Cameron. It was the likes of Scott Makin. It was, it was that team that really inspired me to want to get into radio. Cause you and you and Jason were uh, Viking, uh, and obviously you went on to other places and were equally as good, but a Viking, just an incredible breakfast show. Yeah, I just think it was different to what there was in the marketplace. And, you know, Galaxy was launching uh, and they were going to go for the younger end of the market. And it was like, what can we do? You know, we're both young, free, partly single. And you would, you would, <laughs> you would go out and live that and live that life. But it wasn't the later on in years where it was only focused on a city centre. It was the, the estates where your age yard diaries go. So, so, so it was, you know, it was a case of doing a barbecue on a big council estate and, you know, bringing Kavanaugh or some top quality out like 911 <laughs> to a council estate car park and, you know, knocking out beers at a quid a piece and, you know, come and play football with us next Tuesday. And because everybody was a similar mindset, um, everybody covered each other's backside and everybody covered each other's girlfriends, probably. <laughs> everybody, everybody just looked after each other. And it was a, it was a, it was a dead, dead friendly place to work. And it wasn't clicky. It wasn't like somebody had come in and you go, who's this then? Or whatever. Like when Scott left and I love Scott making Derek. Um, and he was, oh, a whilst we're on the subject of Derek, can you talk about the boardroom meeting when, when, <laughs> Right, so Mark Matthews is here and he's trying to make the station cool, right? So uh, it, it, he's got Scott Makin, who was Derek Makin on TFM, and that's his name. So we called him Decker off the air, which is a cooler version of Derek. So we all get called into this um, this boardroom before uh, Scott Makin starts. And he gets a flip chart, Mark Matthews, and he's like, right, we need a cool name because I've got Derek starting. He's got a great voice. But I kind of call him Derek on air. Like, so uh, we're like, okay. So there was going through all these names, Seb, you know, Sebastian with an acute accent over what, oh, we're going through all of these. And, and knowing Scott a tiny little bit, I'm going, you know, he's a rough Middlesbrough guy, right? <laughs> fucking bollocks this man. <laughs> Call me what you like as long as you fucking peers. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, we, we get down there. And anyway, uh, we, we all then like clicked on that if we just gave him a really cheese name, <laughs> And you know the the the, the big uh, the big uh, flip charts up there, and we're going. You know, what about brand? But in his, his, but he needs to have a surfboard in his picture. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he needs to be in speedos. He needs a spray tan. And of course, one person gets that, and that's how close we were. Everyone goes, yeah, yeah, that's the one. So as we left that meeting, he's going to be called Brad Making. But then after that, we realised it sounds too close to bread making. <laughs> right? <laughs> So he went, we're going to call him Scott making. And I went, but you can't call him Brad making, which sounds like bread making. Scott making sounds like scone making. <laughs> <laughs> so it was finally uh, his decision and he went with Scott making and he's still, you know, Scott making to this day on uh, Radio Tees. Do you know, I mean, I've never kept it a secret that my, my, my favourite presenter on Viking was Scott because he was just so cool on air. His voice was incredible. And when I did my first ever show on Viking... I don't know about you, but you, you mentioned shirt and tie. I turned up in a shirt and tie. I, was, I, just, I just thought you had to dress like that, and I was so smart and nervous. And I'd finished the show, and it was absolute dog shit. And then and Scott walked in, and he, t he took his leather jacket off and his cap, and he flung it onto those big blue chairs that we used to sit on, and then he turned the microphone the right way around. I've never oh. been... <laughs> oh, my God! No. Not my hero! Yeah, oh, that's that he done the entire show. <laughs> I just thought the processing was crap. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's one thing that Viking never had was bad processing. That Optimod, I know you've mentioned it before, and you can put that in the description. That Optimod there, I would pay a fortune for that. I think Ursi's got it now. <laughs> uh, to be fair, but no, I was I was devastated when that when Scott left, and he's you know he's been a friend uh, ever since. He's a, a top top man. Um, um, there's a, there's you know, I, I can just imagine him in the leather jacket and the cap and fucking hell. I mean, what time did he arrive? Three, three minutes to or during the news? Oh no, it was, it was during the news. Yeah, I mean that's how cool he was. And then he just he flung open the the mic and just went, "Hey, Scott Bacon here," and I was like, "Oh my god." Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I used to say to him, you know, open this is sort of relationship we have with everybody. You know, it's like we used to call him Scott Three Links because he had the, the same three links that were just that were just in rotation. And there was one time he was doing like the true life stories or real life stories that he was he was forced to do by the management, and it was the old, old Dow tune thing. And um, people used to write him in the office, <laughs> every whatever. And he was he was reading this one, and something clicked halfway through that he realised that this woman had been pregnant for thirteen months. So he's going like she found out she was she was pregnant in the July, could not wait to have this baby, and then the following November uh, she gave birth to whatever. <laughs> <laughs> not bleeding elephant. <laughs> I love I love Scott and uh, Steve Jordan was on after him as well, and I, I I love Steve. Spoke to Steve last week as well, and this, you know Lee Thompson, and it was just a great time. I used to have the best arguments with Lee Thompson, who was you know head of music. And at the time, I thought we should only be playing like R&B and cool stuff. And I nearly resigned because he wouldn't play Eternal and B.B. Wyland. <laughs> <laughs> and Lee, Lee's going, oh, it's cheesy, man. It's cheesy. We need to be playing cast and, you know, um, swing and stuff. Like that. I'm like, oh, it's smelly rock. And I'm... <laughs> Do you know, there's a couple of times when um, you and Jason had been, uh, and for people that don't know, Viking used to have this um, Friday night thing live from the Gallery Nightclub in New York. And uh, Joel and Jason used to go and host the show live from there. Uh, and myself and Tom ended up doing it. We were, <laughs> it was a mess, always a messy Friday night. And, and young Simon Scholes used to drive us there as well so we could get absolutely smashed. Because I looked up to all you guys and I was doing a, a show on a Friday when you were driving back. I just started doing weekend overnights. And a couple of times the, X, the XD would go and I'd be like, oh, fuff. And it'd be you or Jason. And the first time it was Jason and he went, um, just, I think I'd called the band Limp Biscuit or something or Limp Bizzic and I got it completely wrong. So Jason thought that was the time to, uh, to just point that out. The other time, Joel, you rang me on the XD and you said, it's Joel here. I just want to report a crash. And I was like, oh, where is it, mate? And you said, on the vocal of the last song. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. That was it. But the thing is, you used to call the drive line. That was the best thing. 01482 226500. And you'd, you'd call that when a jock crashed a vocal and you'd go, uh, oh, yeah, I just want to report a crash. Oh, yeah, whereabouts is it? It's just on Anastasia. Uh, <laughs> you took the front off. Or as you used to call her, Antasia. Antasia. I think that, Antasia. That would be one of the reasons. So we'd be coming back from the gallery nightclub, getting driven back, you know, a bit legless, and we'd have you on. And then it'd be like, right, okay, I'll phone up. Let's try, try with the boss. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was good. Speaking of those ones, um, before you move on, you had Mark Summers on, who I shared a uh, house with. I, I was having it right off. I love Mark Summers, right? Um, but but he, I was paying 400 quid for this a month, and I used to charge him 350 for a room. So... <laughs> so... My mate, going back to Yorkshire Coast Radio, used to, used to do a night out called Greg Scott Goes Bananas. So when I came to Hull, I nicked it, and it was at the waterfront, the, the, the club in Hull, that had been you know, um, rebuilt after the insurance, sorry, after it burned down. And <laughs> it was seven quid to get in, but you got in free if you had a banana. So at the, at the height of Mark Summers being skint and living with me, we used to go down Jackson's, buy a shed load of bananas, and frog them around the corner for two quid each. So you either paid seven quid to get in or you paid Mark Summers two quid for a banana and got in free. And then the good thing about it was I would pop in, take the crate of bananas that had already been paid for, bring them back out again and recycle them again. So you used to get... So there's me, me and Mark there with like 300 quid in pound coins afterwards. It used to be brilliant. I never heard that story. That is amazing. That is amazing. Right, we've talked about Viking a lot. Um, let's move on because this I, I remember this. This was a big move. So um, Andy Robson went to Key One Hundred Three, and then he stole you boys, yourself and Jason, to go to Manchester in two thousand. Yeah, um, it was it was the move that you wanted it to be, and you got. I, I was sad in one respect, but also it was Key One Hundred Three. Um, and they wanted to change it and make it a little bit more like Rock was and Viking was. 
Um, and, it, you know, I'm not talking out of turn. I think it lost its way a little bit. It was more middle-class Cheshire than, you know, the heart of Manchester, which it had been, like, you know, Pete and Jeff and Penk and all that. It was a little bit like, how much money do I earn? I drive a Porsche um, and uh, you don't. Um, so, they <laughs> so they wanted a bit more roughness, a bit more roughness. Um, so we went over there in, what, 2000? Uh, and I'll be honest, the first three months, I thought we were going to get binned. It wasn't It wasn't very good Why at all. Why do you think that? Um, so, well, Toulon had been taken off, and he was on mid-mornings, and they'd still given us his producer, who, Sean, who's a top man, but he was in between the two. So you've got the jock who's just been taken off, <laughs> working with the new boys, and it, it was... That was that was a so anyway, three months in. Um, I said to Robson, I went, This isn't happening, and he went, Oh no, it's not happening, man. You know, I've put my cock on a block. Um, and I went, right, and I went, mate, I need to get a, a producer. Well, go and get one then. So I put on the old Media UK post and the forums. Um, we're a bit shit at the moment. Are you not? <laughs> Looking for a dynamic producer, uh, apply here. So we got all these, you know, from, from everybody from like the GWR people to the guys who really wanted to get into radio too. We whittled it down to two. Uh, one was James Brownlow, who went on to run uh, Capital and Galaxy Manchester and I helped him move at the weekend. Uh, and he always says to me every time I meet him, you never gave me that job, did you? And the other guy was Ewan McMorrow, who'd been working with Robin Banks at Beat 106. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's all joined in. It, the it, first it really thing. is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It really is. So he'd come down. So he'd give us... You know, he said, I'm going to sit in the studio for a week, two weeks, and then go from there, and then I'll give you feedback. After half a show, he went, right, we need to sort this shit out. (laughs) 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 Because in the interview, everybody came in, and like it'd be somebody from, you know, I don't know, Trent FM would come in and go, yeah, I think the show sounds great. Or somebody from Hallam would come and go, it's brilliant, and that's not what you want to hear. And uh, you and Kevin and Gavin, uh, I'd give it a solid three out of ten on a good day. <laughs> uh, and there's potential there, but I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> who is this? Um, so from there, we used to have you know meetings every every day. Which you're like, hello, this is this is new. We'd, we'd be in there till you know midday, one o'clock, and you're going, you know, as a breakfast shot, you just want to get home, but you realise your show's done for the next day. So when you get in, it's all done, and you work that day ahead, and that was. You know, that was great. And we had like, a, uh, we had so loads of fun. So we, you know, got a load of the old uh, Robin Banks features that had either been toned down or whatever um, and and just went for it. And we got to a point where um, it was a case of having, you know, Peter Kay was hot at the time. It's the hottest thing. And we we're friendly with him. So we'd have Peter Kay on for 20 minutes talking about 80 songs and playing Beat the Intro. Uh, we'd have footballers on. We'd have Corey Stars on talking about the driving test or where they were. It was all that stuff. It, it was planned, but it sounded like the art of it was trying to make it sound like somebody had just turned up. You know, if you look at Tracy Shaw, who was dating Darren Day at the time, she was the hot thing in Gory. And like, it just sounded like she'd just turned up, you know, on her way home and, and all that stuff. So from there, from three months in thinking they're getting binned, we're getting binned here, um, it, it, you know, it went really, really, really well. And without a fail, because you know, I still go to Manchester every day, and you, you do at least get one or two people every day it will mention that you mentioned uh, Coronation Street stars there was a vicious rumour Joel that you became quite friendly with uh, one of the Coronation Street stars is that true or false yeah but Jack Duckworth is no longer with us <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you just said the one and I know exactly which one you're going to say no one ever talks about the gorgeous ones you have a relationship with or whatever it's all I know it's the one you're going to say, and yes, it's true. <laughs> now, Do you know what? That, we used to use a cab driver on the Friday, and it was called Billy's Confessional. And anybody who was in there would, would you know, could talk about anything, and it's stuck in the car. You know, the Fight Club. What stays in the cab will stay in the cab after a night out. And I confessed that, and Jesus, it was on the radio next day. <laughs> um, so. Before the next big move, all right, which is the big one, um, I just want to cast your mind back to when you were eight, nine years old and you were getting a bus to go and listen to all these different commercial stations. At any point, did you think you'd be on Radio 1? No, 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 of course not. Don't don't be stupid. I thought I'd, I'd, no. How did that, (laughs) what happens there? So you're at Key 103. Do you just get a call? Do you get an email? How does it all work? 
Well, we were doing a telly show on a night for BBC Three uh, when it launched called Pure Soap, which is about soap. And <laughs> I had a couple of hints at the soap operas at the point. <laughs> so I, knew, I knew a lot of the guys there, and that was your way into the BBC. And, you know, that's as it is. People know each other. Uh, we got... I got very close to a guy called Joe Graham, who was exec producing Mark and Lard out of Manchester. So I'm still an anorak. I'm, st- I'm a come on key one of three, but I'm still an anorak. He said, "Why don't you come in and do a pilot, whatever?" And we did. We piloted for maybe two years. Oh, really? Every you know three, yeah, three four weeks, whatever. Just go in and, and try and get better. And the whole radio one thing is so different to commercial radio, especially breakfast. You're thinking time check, weather, um, tease ahead, station name, who are you? Blah blah blah. Yeah. And you get there and they go, you don't need to mention the station name. The production does that for you. You don't need to mention this. You don't need to give a time check. I'm like, oh, whatever. So by the end of that, we got to a place which was quite uncomfortable for me because I was still having to go and do the Key 103 breakfast show with nuts and bolts. Um, so they came for us a year earlier in 2003 um, and didn't manage to go. They came for us in 2004 and we went. I think things would have been very different if we'd have gone in 2005. That's a personal thing from me because I think it was a year too early for me looking back. In hindsight, of course, it's a, <laughs> the most amazing thing ever. I mean, you talk about getting rid of all the nuts and bolts. I mean, what else do you have to say in between the songs? Well, it was it was just about personality and, and they were losing Mark and Lard and they, their audience, if you get a commercial jock on there, it's so uncommercial. Oh, it was then. It's, it's, it's so uncommercial. Even though the music was getting more commercial, it wasn't, even though I wasn't, a, you know, full on, that's right, chance to win right now, Wobblehead, it was still so much com- so much more commercial compared to like Moyles and Mills and Joe Wiley and what have you. Um, so that was it, was, it was, it was hard to grasp. Did you enjoy it? Uh, at first I didn't. We were doing the Saturday and Sunday uh, one till four slot because Coxie had gone off to have a baby and she wasn't coming back. And then Coxie said, I'm coming back. So we just signed. Um, so we got moved to the chart show. So Wes then got binned because we had to, you know, to, to move to there. So we were just doing the chart show. So we'd just been signed for that dough and we're doing one show a week and we just won all the Sony awards for personality radio. <laughs> <laughs> doing the chart for you is ideal though, isn't it? Cause you are. Oh so- mate, I was, I was that Jake who hated it. He, hate, he hated it. I, I really liked it because it was, it's your opportunity to mark Goody or Bruno Brooks. Yeah. And we watched my personality into it. I'm like, no, this is the show you don't put personality into. Just, just, just tell me. And, and every week when they used to bring somebody in and go, um, all right, we're going to find out where Amy Winehouse is. Well, she's going to be a bit fucking pissed off <laughs> if she comes in at number four, isn't she? <laughs> we, we brought her in to find out if she's number one today. Yeah, number four. <laughs> you love. Oh, shit. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was all that. And we, we had that, that whole thing about if a band pulled out, it was always Sarah from Girls Aloud or Nadine from Girls Aloud or one of McFly. Can you just, you know, we're short. Can you just do a, talk about something? What? You got an album coming up now? No, you got a tour coming out? No, just 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 talk. <laughs> it was like, you know, someone's pulled out. Um, but you know, they were great. And Ben Cooper was brilliant. So, you know, would say, "Look, your time will come. Your time will come." And and they would uh, let us cover a lot of stuff uh, and help us out a bit. And then um, a few months later, we got early breakfast, and that's where it really, I really enjoyed doing that. Really enjoyed doing that um, because the rest of the, it was Ben Cooper always had the thing about it was. Uh, ratings by day and reputation by night. So you could put all of your, you know, cool stuff on a night uh, and what have you, but it was ratings. And But you looked at early breakfast and, you know, if your average audience is still 42, you're 18, 19 years, ain't going to be up at that time. And he was about bums on seats. So, you know, you know he's, he's a genius and to a certain extent. And, and looking at that, going, that's the audience that's out there. Don't especially target them, but don't alienate them. There's no point going on just talking to students because they weren't going to be there at that time. And it was, you know, a really nice figures increase. And I thought we were doing really well until Greg James took over and then took it to a different level and then got a breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you ended up building a, a nice, I mean, I used to listen a lot to Radio 1 at that time and, and you built a nice relationship with, with Moyles, didn't you? Two things that I remember were, how, what if Moyles says bad things about you on, on the radio? I'm like, so in my head, uh, if Moyles wants to talk about me for half an hour on his breakfast shows, 10 million people, that is the best publicity ever. You know, Bruno Mars is coming in for 20 minutes. I'm getting half an hour every day. <laughs> so, so when I go to a TV meeting or I go for a voiceover, they, they know who you are. And I'm like, yeah, great. And, um, you know, I spent probably four or five nights out of the week with 
with Miles. And when I was moving to London, he went, where are you moving to? And I went, I don't know, I'm going to look. He went, you're moving to Belsize Park. And I went, where's that? And he went, near me. So I went, okay, I'll move there then. So <laughs> it was it was every night, uh, four or five nights a week. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, that was, that was, that was good times because, you know, I was still up three hours before him, but he was, you know, he'd do handovers for half an hour in the morning. And sometimes there's probably only me and him knew what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun. Just share, I mean, what was it like working amongst the other Radio 1 greats? Uh, very friendly with Scott Mills, very friendly with, uh, Moyles. Uh, again, they're very, very different. Uh, but I moved to Kentish town, which was, uh, next to where Scott Mills lived. Uh, and I came back from my parents, um, one Christmas, I think it was about 2007 and Scott texted me going, when you're back. And I put, I'm back now. And he's like, when you on air? And I put second uh, of January, me too. Do you want to do something? And I went, yeah, okay. So like four days or whatever. So he went, um, I've got loads of fags in, um, go and get some wine and come round. So we did. Anyway, we, we get drunk. We're watching, uh, old episodes of Prisoner Cell Cage, uh, and putting the world to rights, chain smoking, blah, 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 whatever. And I went, should we go Amsterdam? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I went, well, I'll get the flights. You get the hotel. So he's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Right. So I booked some flights online, easy jet, get cars to the airport. Uh, Scott Mills just takes his suitcase with a pair of tracky bottoms in it. I mean, he is bollocks at this point. <laughs> and we get there. And he got recognized at check-in. If they, if they didn't recognize him, we'd have never got on the flight. So we, uh, we got over to Amsterdam, and this is about, you know, two o'clock in the morning, whatever. We get to Amsterdam, say, four o'clock in the morning, get through, uh, get a taxi to this hotel, check in a whole lot, um, have a little kip, and then we go out. Uh, and I said, um, I'll, right, I'll be back in a sec. You stay here. Uh, oh, and at this point, by the way, he'd lost his mobile phone. I think he'd left it in the taxi in London. So I'm like, I'll come and, come and get you in 10 minutes. I'm just going over there to look at some postcards. <laughs> So I, so I go and look at the postcards that I could send back to my family and then come back and there's, there's no Scott. So I'm, I'm sitting around looking, keep checking, keep checking, nothing. About two hours later, go back to the hotel. He's, he's no Scott Mills. He's not, he's, he's not there. So I go back out, leave a note in there going, mate, here's my number. Call me from a payphone or a hotel phone, right? This happens for two or three days. Nothing. Anyway, um, about three days later, I get a call from a random British number. I'm like, hello? He went, Joel, it's Scott. I went, hi. He went, I'm in Bristol. I went, what are you doing in Bristol? He went, oh, I got a panic attack and I had to come home. So I went, let me get this right. You had a panic attack in, in Amsterdam. You didn't just go back to the hotel, which is 20 minutes that way. You managed to get yourself to the airport, book yourself on a flight to Bristol and go and stay at your mate's house with no mobile phone. Right? He's like, I'll explain when you get back. I was like, all right, nice one. Cheers. So I'm here by myself. Bye. Realizing that his card is behind the hotel reception. <laughs> Champagne all night, let me tell you. Would you like some flowers to your room, sir? Yes, I would. Would you like to use the gym? I'd like to use it for two more weeks, thanks. And let all the homeless people come in as well. Can you upgrade me? Thank you very much. The whole lot. And then I just saw him like, you know, a week later, whatever. And he was quite sheepish. He went, sorry about that, I had issues. Well, okay, don't worry. Cunty, uh, cunt. Uh, oh, we apologise, sir. We just play records till eight, nine. When do we finish? I'm not drunk. I've had a couple of drinks. I'm not drunk. <laughs> oh yeah. So, um, look, you leave Radio One, and, and what an in- incredible achievement to, to get onto the big boy. But um, you, you then do a little bit of cover at, uh, at Capital. That must be must have been a bit of a culture shock. Then going back to doing the nuts and bolts. Yeah. So when I decided to leave Radio One. Uh, <laughs> to go and do some swing at Capital. <laughs> I've got, I know, I've got, to, I've got to tell you about the exit. One thing I don't get is when jocks get binned, just say you got binned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know there's, there's, there's many binnings at a big company at the minute and everybody knows, just be honest. So, you know, you had to have an agent at Radio 1, right? And he phones me and he goes, um, oh, I've been called in tomorrow at 10 o'clock. And this is the time every year when they start changing the schedule. So, of course, I go, See you later, Colin and Edith. Here comes afternoons. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is great. So I said, who's in the meeting? This is Grant, the agent, who's in the meeting? He says, um, he said, it's just uh, Ben Cooper. And I went, oh, well, we've got afternoons then. And why? I said, well, if Andy Parfit's in there, we're getting binned. And he went, no, no, it's just Ben. I went, are you sure? Went, yeah, okay, see you at 10. So we finish early breakfast at 6.37, whatever it was. Uh, we go out, have something to eat, come back in, hey, get in there. And there's Ben sitting around, we're having a laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. And, and all that door goes. There's Andy Parfit. 
And he says, guys, we're making changes. And it's still at this point, I think I've got afternoons. Uh, we're making changes and uh, Ben will, uh, will explain. I've got to go and bin Spoonie. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, something along those lines. But he leaves and then it's like, so what, Ben? Well, what we're doing is changing stuff around. And, and you know what? It was, it was cool. And I went out for a cup of tea with, uh, with Ben about three weeks later. And he, he, was, he was dead good. And it never, it, it not hit me. You know, I never got sad or whatever. I, I was, you blame yourself a lot for it because of what you did. I was still a party guy. I was doing a lot of telly. I was going out every night. If we wasn't going out, we were, we were doing a gig every night. Um, so you would get a reputation. I, I would put my hands up and say, you know, I'll, I'll take any blame for, for that. But as we were leaving, I, I thought we was doing the best stuff at Radio One. It'd taken me two and a half years to do some good stuff. But by that, by that time, um, it, it was, it was, it was done. And then, and of course, from there, once you've been on Radio One, mate, the phone doesn't stop ringing. So I thought. <laughs> I applied for I applied for a job. I think it was at the Breeze or somewhere. Didn't even get a reply. Joking. I applied, no, I applied for a couple of couple of because I was out of work. I applied for a couple of jobs, and this is the arrogance probably coming across. Going, well, I've just finished on Radio One. I'm, yeah, here we are. What do you want a demo for? Yes, I, people didn't even reply. So then this is where Brownlow kicks in and says, "I've got you three weeks at Capital, just doing early breakfast cover." And, you know, I enjoyed it, but I knew it was just for three weeks and it was square peg, wrong hole. Yeah. Um, was, that around... with, was that with you and Jason still? Are you still yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're both there. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it, but it was, it was never going to go to anything because they were making things a lot younger. And at that point, they didn't want to... Parky's whole thing was, I didn't want uh, Radio 1 Rejects on the station. Uh, that was a sort of, you know, not as a dick, because I love Parky. He wanted to be seen as better or on par with Radio 1, not just getting people who got binned from Radio 1. No, sorry, who, who decided to leave Radio 1. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so then you go to uh, Virgin in 2008, which, of course, turned into Absolute. Because um, how many years were you at Virgin for? Exactly one year. Uh, not, this is my second favourite place to work after, um, after Viking. Uh, the nine months I was there when it was Virgin, I had the the best time uh we were just doing saturday and sunday 10 till 1 so that you know it's normally somebody's six shift and we've talked about that before but this was your chance to get all your shit out so you've got you know you've got, you've got five days of shit over two days and you could pretty much do what you wanted apart from play girls aloud uh but but we you know we'd, we'd have a guest on we'd we and everything was long form and I remember David Lloyd at Christmas party. It, it was great. He went, uh, there was a, a song playing, it was like Def Leppard or something. And I went, oh God, I love this song. And he went, uh, do, do, do you do, do you like music? I went, yeah, why? And he went, you never fucking play it, eh? <laughs> <laughs> no, only joking. Only joking. Uh, Can I just uh, say congratulations for the best impression of David Lloyd so far? That was brilliant. <laughs> you got the award. Yeah. There was there was no, there was another one as well, which he said um, we had Andy Peters on, and he was talking essentially talking about John Barrowman's penis, um, <laughs> and whatever. And this isn't visual, and you don't have the live stream. But David Lloyd was sitting there, and he's like rubbing his legs like this, and he went, "I'm not sure it's uh, appropriate for uh, for you to be talking about the size of John Barrowman's cock uh, at quarter past eleven in the morning." But uh, I tell you what, did not make me horny. <laughs> 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 he, again he's he, the marketeer in him the program in him i i had so much fun there and then it went to absolute and they were doing this thing from v to a where it turns from virgin to absolute and i remember sitting in the studio now bearing in mind david lloyd had give us two producers called tony and guy because he thought it was funny <laughs> and, <laughs> and tony murray tony murray's high up in uh bauer now and uh a guy is a global eye up, uh, and it, but both great. But that was the David Lloyd mentality of everybody just have fun, and it was, it was great. And I remember just sitting there going, "I don't know any of these songs. We're not long for this world, <laughs> you know." We're really not. And you know, loads of people love the absolute radio where you stick it on your head and eat your slippers, and there'd be people falling around going, "This isn't funny." <laughs> and, <laughs> and they had these adverts with a little person. I think that's what you call a little, a little person now, uh, as a security guard. And I'm going, this is, this is, to me, this is not funny. And you've got people there rolling around. And I'm going, this, that, no, it's, we're, we're, we're not, no, this is, no, okay. So I went to Australia for a couple of months and did telly. Oh, um, 
yeah, yeah. So it was, it was yeah, I, I knew as soon as you got that meeting, there was no like, oh, we're getting afternoons. It was a, it was a case of, oh, I know what's coming here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate your honesty. And then obviously the next move, I remember this, um, Radio Air or the Poison Chalice, as some people call it. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have a lot of work on. Um, when I say a lot, mm, nothing. Um, <laughs> and we, we covered Air um, for a week when Simon Logan was off. And I, I didn't mention it, Viking. I produced Simon Logan for about six months as well. No, so, see, you're the first person to mention Simon Logan. And he... he... Fucking hell! <laughs> fucking hell! No fucking... No fucking hell! He was... A, I never met Simon Logan until after my time at Viking, but he was a character, wasn't he? Simon's a sweetheart. He's a real sweetheart, but he's a perfectionist. And, you know, back in the C, uh, dead on CDs day, and, you know, a CD would start skipping. And he'd be like, fucking hell! Fucking hell! Mike would go up, ha, ha, I see that one's biodegraded. And then they turn the mic off, get it out, and then kick 10 bells of shit out of it. <laughs> yeah, you won't play again, will you, you bastard? <laughs> well, whatever. whatever. And it was Chris the Cleaner there when you were there? Yes, <laughs> she was. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So he once threw a pen at Chris the Cleaner. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not talking to you anymore. This is not. <laughs> You've got to know Chris the Cleaner because she talks like that. <laughs> this, is, this is not, I'm not cleaning that Studio B because of him in there. Um, but but I sort of controlled him a little bit because I got on with him and I took him for a drink and I said, he'd go, mate, is that good? I don't know if it's good. Knowing it's brilliant. I'm going, yeah, it's great. Until the one day I was editing one of his wind-ups and, and you know, I had to take, uh, I think it was a cocksucker out of the, <laughs> out of it. But in my, I was meant to do it the day before, but I hadn't done. So I edited it at like five to eight or something. So it went, and the thing is, you are a total beep cocksucker. Beep. <laughs> and that went out. So what happened there? I don't know. Somebody it must be a pro- must be a problem with the computer. <laughs> but I, I've stayed in contact with Logie, and I, and I, I, I you know, I, I, I like him. Um, but he is, you know, old school perfectionist. I think is what you would say. But I, I, I think he's great. So you cover Logie at Radio Air, and then you stay there for a bit longer, don't you? You're there for longer than a, a week, I remember. Yeah, two years. So um, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that week. Um, and then, again, we've still got the agent at this point, uh, taking 20% of your money, so you might as well use him. Uh, and he said, Anthony Gay's been, um, Anthony Gay's been on. Uh, I said, oh, the guy fired me from Key. And he went, yeah, he wants to use you at Radio Air. <laughs> uh, so I went, oh, no, oh, that'll be good then. Um, he wants you to do the job full time. and There's a two-year deal. So I said, so gave him amount of money, gave him like uh, trains and uh, the Malmaison and Leeds or whatever. And they came back with yes. Because that's right. You weren't living. You were, were you doing the show from London at the time as well? I was doing the show probably two or three times a week from London and living in the Malmaison in Leeds when we came up. So I just used to come up on a Tuesday and a Wednesday to play football. Uh, <laughs> and, and do the show now again everybody in that office the scout hut right it, it, everybody there was it was wasn't too far below Viking it was a really some really good people really good people in the office and Rob Dowell is doing well at BBC now his producer uh, and we had we, we had a lot of fun off air um, but I remember just going in for one meeting and it was a case of you know how can we make this you know how can we make this work and I said put put magic on FM um <laughs> <laughs> you asking me? They Ford looked at me in the eye and said, "You know, how do we make Radio Air work?" And I went, "Put magic on FM." And she went, "Yeah, yeah, of course." But how do we make it work now? Went, Mate, I'll do it for you in fucking racks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it for you now, love. <laughs> to be fair, I think Warren Moore said the exact same thing. So uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and there was Glenn Pinder on Magic. He was he was doing great. And again, he's a top bloke as well. There was so many nice people there, and the off-air stuff was great. It just just on air, did, I remember giving away like two grand one morning. The audience just were not there. You you know, we're looking for call of four. That was at seven o'clock. It's now twenty past midday, and we're still looking for <laughs> call of four. It was because you can't get the can't get the station. You can't pick it up. Yeah. You can't pick it up anywhere, and it had a heritage, but it was bad heritage. And so much talent had gone through there, and we were like the 17th incarnation of the saviour of it. And even if you put models on at this point, I don't, I, I don't think it would work because you couldn't get the station. Absolutely. And then you moved to Birmingham. I don't remember this, Joel. How long were you at heart in Birmingham for? Uh, maybe two years, just doing um, doing the weekends. So had, they had uh, Ed James on breakfast, Steve Denny on drive, 
And I was just doing weekends. <laughs> Only until years later, I mentioned this. I was doing 12 till four on a Saturday and no, one till five on a Saturday, 12 till four on a Sunday. And I got, I'm confused the wrong way around. So I was coming out of network an hour early and then going back, <laughs> back into network. <laughs> so, so James Daniels, who was the deputy PD there, would uh, text me and go, um, do you fancy a pint when you finish? I'm already in there. That's, that's what I found out. <laughs> oh, it's, it's quarter to five. You're there till five. And I went, oh shit, what's going out now then? <laughs> so I taken us out of network an hour earlier and put us back in an hour... <laughs> Not really well. When when you were at heart, this was you were on your own now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So JK had gone to he does some little bits. <coughs> Excuse me. And it was it was around the time of you know two blokes on the radio don't work. Uh, you know you, you know you can you can oh, absolutely. I've heard that as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Two blokes on the radio don't don't work. And uh, you're a great solo jock, and it's great just to tell people how the songs are and whatever. Uh, so at this point, I'm thinking, well, if I don't get anything now, I'm I'm going to go and do something else. Uh, and then I tried to go and do something else, and I realised there was nothing else to do that I actually cared about. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was doing that, and I actually really enjoyed it. Again, a great a great team in Birmingham, uh, and I've not been to Birmingham since I was a kid. But God, what a city now! It's 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 a tremendous city, and we used to I used to walk past the train station every day, and that free radio just rebranded. I, I genuinely thought it was Asda. Uh, <laughs> I <could> walk past. <laughs> You know, I'm like, it's some of the worst branding I've ever seen in my life. Sorry, David. <laughs> walking down there. I'll tell you what, that branding that we ended up with was far better than the original plan. It looked like a Tampax packet, trust me. Yes, I, yeah. I, I just want to go, cause I've never spoken to you about this, but when you you and JK split up, I mean, how did that feel? Um, things naturally happen. Like, we still probably speak, at least, at least WhatsApp every two days um, and speak quite a lot or voice note or something. Uh, you know, and, and, and normally in that view of this, oh God, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, you know, yeah, <laughs> he yeah. seems to know what's going on at my company first and I know what's going on at his company first. So, you know, we're, we're very much like that. Um, it was, it was, it, it came to a natural end because it wasn't, I didn't want to go somewhere really, look, you got been from Radio Air, sorry, decided to leave from Radio Air <laughs> and, 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 and you go, there's nothing there's nothing out there and you're not going to end up splitting 20 grand somewhere, are you? And at this time he's got a missus, he's got married uh, and his missus got kids and he wanted to be down South more. And, you know, I wasn't asked where I was cause I was single. So, you know, it was just like the old days where you put some stuff in the back of a car and just, and just go. I'm talking from experience here, but it is sad because you, you spend more time with, as for you, it would have been Jason, but myself, Giuliano, and Tom at the time. You spend so much time together as, as a double act. It does feel strange, and you must have felt sad. Oh, totally, and especially when I was going to Heart Northwest and I was um, piloting with other people, and you've got yeah. a day piloting with, like, ten people. And even though in your head you could have had the best people in the world, you know, in front of you, grade-A talent, in the back of your head, you're going, you're going to be really shit because yeah, you yeah, don't know yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah. So you, 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 you do that. Um, you know, but, it, you know, I don't think we've ever talked about it, to be fair. Have you not? I don't know. Uh, there was, you know, there was always a couple of comebacks happened. But I think the nice thing is, uh, you know, when people talk about old jocks or old TV shows and they go, oh, they were great. And they come back and you go, they, they weren't really. They, they're, do you know what? I'd love to do like a weekend show on Absolute or something like that, you know, Saturday morning, just a one-off or, a, you know, um, with JK. I think, I think that'd, be, that'd be great. And of course, that's when you can get that out of the way. Because um, every time we get back together, it's just like you haven't, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's set up like that. You know how it is. Yeah. Now, uh, Heart Northwest, which you mentioned, we ended up working with Russ Morris, somebody I worked with. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been texting Russ this morning. I mean, he is one of my best mates. He still didn't invite me to his wedding when he first started. But he... Uh, <laughs> not bitter at all, Joel. Not bitter at all, no. But him and, him and his wife, Lizzie, uh, and his, his two kids are, are very friendly with uh, me and my missus, Lily. Lizzie and Lily, it's quite... <laughs> they sound like a couple of strippers. <laughs> so, so they, 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 uh, they just live up the road, and uh, we're going to theirs between Christmas and New Year. And yeah, I love, I love Russ. Uh, he's great. And now, um, you, do you know Lewis Clark? Um, yes. Oh, oh, right. So, um, a lot of people love Lewis. A lot of people hate him, right? And I'm not sure he got me or liked me at first. At first. And I was waiting. I, you know, made it very obvious that I wanted this Breakfast Northwest gig. And 
sort of said, look, this, to myself, if I don't get this gig, then that's me done. It's back in the Key 103 market, yeah. but it's also got everywhere else, the old Century um, Regional. So it was real radio. That was changing. And every six months after Global bought it, it kept being put back and put back. And I'm like, it's another six months of getting like 2p to work in Birmingham. And I forgot a hotel and trains. I've actually not even broken even, mum, because you lend me 20 quid. And the bailiffs are at my door. I mean, this is serious. I had to go in between a cover of a breakfast shift and a drive time shift back to Manchester to serve an eviction notice, or to defend an eviction notice from Northern Rock. <laughs> And this is, you know, people who know me know I'm not joking. You know I'm not joking. No, I know, yeah, I know. I yeah. mean, yeah, I, we, we, we've, you've obviously heard the, the, the Crunchyroll episode with our mutual friend, Mark Summers. I always think you two are very similar when it comes to cash. Oh, mate, mate, if it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's, well, it's not. After, after, you know, after payday, it's, it's gone. Unless he's selling bananas outside the waterfront in the hole. So Lewis Clark phones me and he's like, darling, I, um, it's on. I've got the job for you. He's like the campest straight man in the world, right? Uh, and he's always got something wrong with his wrist. <laughs> he's always, I don't know why. He's always got a bandage on his wrist, right? So he's like, I've got, I've, uh, anyway, we decided that you will, um, you'll get this job. All right, okay. I'm like, oh, brilliant. So here we are. Don't tell anyone. JK, keep this yourself. <laughs> Robin Banks, keep this yourself. Digital spy, keep this yourself. <laughs> no, so I, so I gets, it, gets this job. Anyway, um, I'm all getting prepared. Two months later, I'm mopping my floor, mopping the floor because I've saved my house at this point. And uh, Lewis calls and he went, we've changed your plan. Uh, we've decided to go with somebody else. And I went, what, 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 what do you mean somebody else? He went, honestly, when you find out who it is, you won't believe it either. And I'm thinking, that's a bit like saying to your missus, sorry, my love, I'm leaving you. But wait till you see who I've been shagging. <laughs> she is stunning. It was a little bit like that. So I did, did me a little bit of digging. And it turns out that it's that, that it offered to Paddy McGuinness, who again, I'd spent every night in Manchester with for four years. <laughs> so they couldn't come to a deal. So I got the call. It's back on. <laughs> oh, did you feel used? I didn't mind at this point. I didn't mind at this point. It was, you know, where's the contract? There's no negotiation going on. Just sign it. And then from there, Lewis gave me pretty much free reign. Um, I went in there and I said, look, I'm, I, if anybody says I'm, I'm a shit to work with or bad to work with or a pain to work with, I just don't, I just won't do crap. You know, I, I, I don't mind looking a fool. I don't mind doing a, a, a video where I'm covering whatever you want. It can be horseman you for what cover me in whatever you like. I don't care as long as it looks good. And it's and the same on the air. I will. You can make me out to the biggest whatever as long as it sounds good. Uh, and by the way, I'm not doing the big town showdown because I believe it to be the worst feature I've ever heard on the radio. And I won't say the strap line. But apart from that, <laughs> I'm all in. <laughs> Well, I, I always thought, I mean, your, your breakfast show at heart was really good, really strong. Although was, I loved it. It was always just weird hearing you without Jason, but obviously we've moved on from that. And then, of course, now you're, you're uh, I think I said the very same to Warren Moore, you're quite a rare breed because you're still on air on commercial radio, which is uh, well done, mate. You, you're now on Rock FM. And, and we've, had, we've, we've had quite a few guests on, on Crunch and Roll who have spent time at Rock FM. And they've said Rock FM's quite similar, or at least it was to, to the Viking. It, it would seem that um, it's quite a nice place to work. Yeah, during the Viking days, we'd all go to Rock FM and nick their ideas and then bring them back. So like suddenly you're on, it was just a copy and paste. Anything Rock did, we'd do at Viking. Um, you know, things change over the years. But um, Brownlow, James Brownlow was in, in charge at the time. Um, and he, you know, he, he said, uh, look, there's a gig here going. I don't know how long it'll last for, uh, money's a bit crap, but you will have a brilliant time. Uh, and I went, I've worked with him a couple of times as mate. I was like, absolutely expecting three to six months. Um, and then, you know, what, what happens three years later to this very week, uh, I'm still there and I've just signed an extension. Right. <laughs> so, Amazing. so, um, again, I, and, and, uh, you know, and people talk about, figures and whatever and I, I tend not to but it was it's the first time in you know 12 years or whatever it is that the market leading station a breakfast and every um whatever you call it reach hour share whatever so you know I'm, I'm not one for number one here number one there whatever but it, but even with covid in between it was a case of even though people think i'm a you know i'm a prick and a clown and whatever it's my business you know it's it's a business so i look at it and i go right what have you got out there 
So I was in the heart for a while. You've got those heart listeners that like the local stuff. They've now got Jamie and Amanda, and they're very good at what they do. Then you've got the Capital Breakfast Show. They're good at what they do, but it's not what I do. Then you've got Greg James, who does that, what he does. And then, of course, you've got the LBCs and whatever and smooth, right? Which, you know, you're not going to compete with. Yeah. So what can I do that, that, that they are not doing? And I sat, you know, with many bottles of wine and packets of cigarettes and tried to, without being fake, just go through what I could do that they can't do. And, and every time it came back to, speak about myself. The other, the other morning, and this is no word of a lie, and it's, I mean, this is, is working through there at the minute, right? So it's still a bit touchy. This is two weeks ago. Nobody calls you when you do a breakfast show on your mobile phone unless someone's died, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so it comes up, Lily calling. Oh, shit, who's that? Right, okay. 8.30 is your latest. Hiya. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. She went, we've got law enforcement at the door. <laughs> and I went, uh, uh, went, what? About the parking ticket. So, of course, I went, which one? Which one? <laughs> Right, 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 okay. What, what, so what is it? Well, they want 450 quid or they're going to start taking stuff. So, of course, I've seen, um, you know, uh, can't pay, we'll take it away. Well, they can't just do that. They can't do that. <laughs> but now, but I'm, I'm, I'm now a solicitor. Uh, say you producer, can you just get out of news for me? Just play two songs here, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, put the competition back. So, so I'm out right there. Put him on, right? So he's like, yeah. Well, well, I appealed against this ticket and what? anyway, so, so there. So I was like, right, so she's now not talking to me. Phone goes down, she's paid him. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to get shit when I go home. So I thought, just bring it to air. Just, you know, just, just, just bring, it, bring it to air. Yeah. And not in the, look at me, I don't care about rules or whatever. Because everyone's been in there where you've got a parking ticket, you yeah, put yeah, it in. Yeah. I'll sort it out later. But not to the point where, you know, they turn up to your door. And, and you know, I'm, I'm reading text out on the air. And she's like, you said this would never happen again the last two times it happened. Why don't you just pay them like normal people? And I'm like... Well, I'll sort it. I'll, I will sort it out. But you never will. You never will. <laughs> so that it, it was. It was just. It was just about that. And you know, it, it sounds really crass, but talking about you know, I, I bought a flat through Northern Rock. Um, I paid two hundred and odd grand for it. I owe three hundred grand on it now. Uh, it's got cladding on it. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm essentially a mortgage prisoner. So in that, in that area, it's not an affluent area. Talk about it. Yeah, Talk yeah. about mortgage rates. You know, and, and when you hear, and this is no disrespect against Amanda Holden, who JK told me was the most profe- so, most professional person he'd ever worked with, no offense. Um, <laughs> it, it'd, be, it'd be doing breakfast with her at heart. So I went, go on, go on, how was she? And he went, mate, no word of a lie, the most professional person I've ever worked in my life with. And I'm like, oh, cheers, don't see the bit, okay? <laughs> but, but she's not, you know, even if they're doing the cost of living crisis, you know, and whatever they're paying, a three million quid a year or something, you know, I mean, it's very similar to what they paid me. But um, it's it's not going to be real, is it? It's, it, you know, they say it affects everybody, but she's not sitting in a studio with a bloody hat on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With a water bottle Talking shoved about down selling bananas in hole. <laughs> now, you know, I listened, I often listen to your show on rock, and um, there was one where I just, I could hear it in your voice that you were absolutely in your element. Is where and, and you can anyone listening to Crunch and Roll, you can find this somewhere. Is when Rock was celebrating its 40th birthday, and essentially oh, right, it was just an opportunity for you to spaff a load of retro production on the show, and that you did. But you, I could just hear this. You, you love that the smile in your in your voice. I'm very much about you know we're maybe about football. You know, a Man United fan. Sorry about that, Man United fan. But you've got to look at the, the past beforehand. And I always think if you're going to do it, do it properly. I don't do it at all. It's always that thing with me. Be different or be better. Um, I can, you know, if you're working at a community station, you can't compete with a global or a Bauer premium rate competition that they're giving away 150 grand a day or whatever it is. You can't do that. So do something different. Don't be giving five quid away in a mug. Do something completely different. And for that, it was a case of, and this is why I really love it, because I get left alone to do what I want. And it's not even about begging for forgiveness. I just went, this is what we're going to do. So there's a, a really talented lad called uh, Alec Feldman who works at, um, at Castle Key. Uh, he's one of the producers at, for hits. And he's an anorak. And he's a young kid. And it's very, very rarely you get any of these anymore. And he put he put it all together and got phone calls set up and voice notes and and given a nod to the past um, and, and playing the whole out, knowing that, you know, current management may say, may say, um, you know, I didn't like that or whatever. But anyway, I've done it now. Um, but you know, Gary Steen called me. 
Oh, Joel, that was fantastic. And I don't know if he was being the manager there. Oh, he's big. He's an anorak. Right? He's an old anorak. Right? Yeah, we all are. Uh, yeah, we all are. And he loves it. He loves it. You so know, uh, You mentioned a name there, Alec Feldman. And um, he, he kindly messaged us on our Crunch and Roll social. Was it Twitter, was it? I'm sure it's Twitter. And he just put, I've got a complaint about your podcast. And we replied with, which is? And he says, it depresses me. I listen religiously and I love it. And it makes me sad that I'm about 25 years too late. Because, of course, we're sharing all these stories about how fun it has been. And, and this episode has been superb, Joel, and I thank you for it. But I would, for people that are getting into the industry now, they're never going to have these memories and laughs that we've had. Oh, not at all. I mean, um, there's, there's, a, there's a few lads. There's Jordan Hemingway now. I think it's exec at Radio 2 for Zoe Ball. And uh, he was he was my producer at Radio 2. And, and, and uh, sorry, at Radio... No, I've not been there yet. He was my producer at heart. <laughs> sorry, I've just let out the bag. Um, replacement for Steve Wright. Uh, no, Jordan Hemingway was was brilliant there, and he was of that. I walk in and I see a guy in you know TK Maxx little coat there sitting, but but he 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 was odds than twenty five years ago, but he's now twenty three. There's not going to get the same vibe as that. And there's Alec and there's Brad who, who works with me now. There's there's three or four guys that you go. These guys have really got it. I wish you around twenty five years ago. And I took Alec out um, to meet a load of the Capital Jocks a few weeks ago, and he speaks to them on a level that he was in the industry then 25 years ago because he respects it and looks back and asks questions about stuff that you'd forgot you'd done yeah. and whatever. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a different, it's a different beast now, isn't it? It's a, it's a really different beast. And also, none of it would be legal now at all. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, Joel, um, thank you very much for being on Crunch and Roll. Uh, you're going to be, um, and we've had a few of our guests who, have recorded Crunch and Roll, and then about an hour later, they, they message and say, oh, shit, there's so many more stories that I want to share. Uh, the likes of Robin, the likes of Rick Horton. Um, so, uh, look, we, we, maybe we do part two. Maybe we get you and JK back together, because then the truth really can get oh, out. No, no, he'd, he'd, do you know what? He'd, he'd love doing that, and we've never, do you know what? We've never done anything. I've never done. Uh, he's like, why do you never do any of these interviews? And I went, I never get asked. <laughs> I think I'm a bit weird. Oh, I, no, you're, you're, um, you're not weird. You're, you, you are a legend. You are, do you see yourself as a legend? No, not at all. I see myself as an anorak who, who got lucky at a certain couple of points um, and is very lucky to still have a job now. Um, and it's, it's, you know, I'm doing a little event tomorrow, a Cash for Kids event, so I've got a cinema watching Elf with a load of families. Um, and you, you go to those sort of things and people are so nice to you. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't do, you know, it doesn't do a lot. It's very nice, but it doesn't... It doesn't it doesn't do a lot because I felt like I could have done a hell of a lot more if I'd have been a bit more grown up at certain times. Well, uh, uh, silly question. Have you ever done voiceover work? Because we like to finish our Crunch and Roll podcast with a little VO from yourself and the guest. Oh, I've done a few of those. What have you done? <laughs> uh, I was, was the voice of Virgin Media when that launched. It was, um, uh, which got into a bit of trouble because we had a deal with Sky at the time. And I never thought, <laughs> I never thought about this. But it was, it was, more or less, if you break it down, it was get Virgin Media, fuck Sky. That's how, that's how it was. <laughs> <laughs> and it was hard breakfast with Sky. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> you don't need a dish. I'm like, oh, bollocks. Oh, but it's 25 grand. I couldn't turn it down. Well, Joel, thank you very much. Um, take it away with the end credits. You've been listening to Crunch and Roll with me, Joel Ross. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app to get every episode as soon as it drops. Crunch and Roll is a 969 media production presented by John Fox and produced by Simon Baras Lewandowski. Off. Oh, yeah. Two premix vodkas. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get through the eight o'clock hour. <laughs>